You're listening to The Bible Explorer, a podcast about the misunderstood, unusual, and little-known aspects of the Bible. My name is Matt Morton, and I'm your host. This is episode 15, Different Kinds of Angels. Well, welcome back to The Bible Explorer. I know it's been a little while, uh, but I have a fun topic for us today. A couple of weeks ago, I preached a sermon from the book of Leviticus, and the theme of the sermon was holiness. And in the context of that sermon, I happened to mention uh, some angels that we see in the book of Isaiah who fly around the throne of God and they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And, And John sees them also in the book of Revelation singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And after I gave that sermon, uh, my dad actually asked me the other day, in the Bible, is that all those angels seem to do? And so we talked about that for a little bit, and I thought, you know, it might be fun to do a Bible Explorer episode about the different kinds of angels and some of the different angels that we see in the scripture. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, this is by no means going to be a comprehensive study of angels in the Bible. I'm not really going to talk a lot about what they do. Uh, I'm not going to talk about their functions or even a lot about the organization of angels in God's kingdom. I don't have time for all that. Uh, Angelology is an entire uh, kind of portion of a course in seminary. I think I spent about Uh, five or six weeks in one of my seminary courses studying angels in the Bible. So I I am not going to be able to get into all of that. But what I want to do is talk about some of the specific types of angels in the Bible. And also we're going to see a couple of specific angels that are mentioned in the Bible to clarify a little bit uh, what they are and maybe a little bit of what they do. So let me just dive right in. Uh, The first type of angel that I want to talk about is called the cherubim. And it's funny, uh, nobody really knows for sure what the word means. Cherub is just, it's a Hebrew word. It's It's a transliteration of the Hebrew word, which is cherub, or cherubim would be the plural. Uh, it's some type of angel, but, but it's funny, whenever I think of the word cherubs, I remember that when I was growing up, at my church, the little baby choir, like the toddler choir, was called the cherubs. So for me, when I think of cherubs, and maybe you too, I think of cute little babies, almost like the precious moments angels. Uh, But that is not biblically uh, consistent with what cherubim are. Uh, The first time that we see angels that are called cherubim, or an an angel called a cherub, actually is in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve get uh, exiled from the Garden of Eden because of their sin, it says that God places a cherub outside of the Garden of Eden with a flaming sword to keep anybody from getting back in. So he's definitely not a baby, and he's definitely not super cute. Uh, Instead, he is a fiery angel who holds a flaming sword. And if you try to get into the Garden of Eden, I guess the uh, assumption is that he will slice you. He will cut you uh, in some way. So uh, the first time we see a cherub, he's a guardian angel. He's not guarding a person, but he's guarding a place. 
that function seems consistent with how cherubim show up in the rest of the Bible uh, when the Israelites build the Ark of the Covenant, when they craft the Ark of the Covenant according to God's instructions, God tells them to place uh, images of two cherubim with their wings touching on top of the what's called the mercy seat or the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. And it seems like the idea is that they they represent the glory of God. The glory of God certainly dwelt in the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, but they also seem to have a guardian type of purpose as well. They are guarding God's glory in the Holy of Holies. The other major time that we see cherub, cherubim described in the Bible is in Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 1, one of the craziest Old Testament passages, in my opinion, about angels, Ezekiel is in the throne room of God, and he sees these angels that he later will describe in chapter 10 as cherubim. They have four faces. They have the face of a man. They have another face that is a lion. They have the face of a bull and they have the face of an eagle. Uh, And then underneath them, they have some really neat wheels. Uh, They have wheels that are apparently omnidirectional. So Ezekiel says that these angels, they can turn in any direction without the wheels actually having to turn. So I I assume that they kind of pivot on these wheels. Uh, They are the, the cherubim themselves, they're shiny and bright, And what they do is they follow the glory of God around. Wherever the Spirit of God goes, these cherubim go with him. So they're really cool, uh, and they're a little bit scary, but they seem to attend to the glory of God, and they seem on some level to protect the glory of God. Again, I assume if you tried to get too close to the glory of God, they would do something to you in, in the presence of God. So that is cherubim. Okay, so now let's talk about seraphim. Uh, These are the angels I mentioned at the very beginning. We only see uh, the word seraphim used to describe angels in one place in the Bible, and that is in Isaiah chapter 6. As I mentioned, Isaiah sees this vision of the throne room of God, and what he sees are these angels that have six wings, two wings cover their feet, two wings cover their face, and then two wings are used to fly around. And they they fly around the throne of God and they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then uh, Isaiah gets pretty freaked out, realizes that he is a sinful man in the presence of God. And so one of the seraphim flies over with uh, a coal Uh, that he's holding in some tongs, and he touches it to Isaiah's lips, and he cleanses Isaiah's lips so that Isaiah is able to be a prophet of God, even though he is sinful. The word seraphim literally means burning ones uh, or brilliant ones. Uh, It is used in other places in the Bible to describe like, like flying dragons, serpents, flying snakes, things like that. So here, it seems like what you have is, is Isaiah sees these creatures flying around that are brilliant, and they are a bit terrifying, and it just it, it makes him think about, perhaps, uh, these sort of flying dragon creatures. So he describes them as seraphim, or the burning ones. 
They pop up again, at least I think that it's the same angels that the Apostle John sees in Revelation chapter 4, where he sees similarly some bright angels flying around the throne of God. And what they sing is almost the same thing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Uh, you probably recognize that that phrase from the hymn, holy, holy, holy. We sing that in that hymn. But here, these angels, that seems to be all they do. They fly around the throne room of God. It's like a team of angels specifically created to proclaim the holiness of God over and over and over and over again. And one of the things I pointed out in my sermon on Leviticus when I was talking, I referenced this passage, is that tells us how holy God is. Uh, When you repeat something three times in the Hebrew language, it's a way of emphasizing the importance of what you're repeating. So they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And then they just say it again and again and again, and they just fly around day and night, forever and ever, singing of the holiness of God. So that's the seraphim. Uh, Let me give you then a couple of other types of angels that we see in the Bible. Um, There's also what is described as the heavenly host, the heavenly host or the heavenly army, uh, soldiers, you know, and periodically you get hints of this, like in the book of Ephesians, in the book of Colossians, that angels are, are, there's some kind of hierarchy, almost like a military hierarchy. There, there are rulers and powers and authorities. And, and usually when, when that is mentioned, the idea is that Jesus is in charge of all of them. Jesus is greater than all of them. And uh, when it comes to the demonic rulers and powers and authorities, Jesus has defeated them. But in the Old Testament, you get a sense of sort of the military organization of angels that maybe part of what they do is they fight on God's behalf. They fight against Satan. They fight against demons and against the powers of darkness in the heavenly realms. Second Chronicles 18, um, there's a prophet named Micaiah who is talking to King Ahab, a wicked Israelite king. And as he is talking to Ahab about how God's going to judge him, he says, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the host of heaven standing on his right and on his left. And then he goes on to describe how God is going to judge Ahab and how Ahab is going to be destroyed. So the host of heaven represents the military might of God's kingdom and also the power of judgment that his kingdom has. One of the coolest passages related to the host of heaven is in 2 Kings chapter 6. The prophet Elisha uh, is with a servant and they, they are surrounded by the armies of the king of Syria. The king of Syria is uh, antagonistic to Israel at this point. And so they're surrounded by these armies, and Elisha's servant is terrified, understandably. He says to Elisha, what are we going to do? Uh, we're doomed. And Elisha uh, prays to God, and he says, God, would you open my servant's eyes so he can see what is going on? And they look up, and they see the mountain uh, around them full of horses and chariots of fire. They see angels in chariots and on horses. That's God's heavenly army, God's heavenly host that is able to defeat even the armies of Syria. So, so it's very clear there's a military aspect to the angels. But what I, what I find really cool then is you get into Luke chapter 2, 
And you know the scene where uh, the angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord comes to announce the coming of Jesus to the shepherds out in their fields. And after he announces the coming of the Messiah, it says that, that a great multitude of angels, the heavenly host or the heavenly army, begins to sing glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men on whom God's favor rests. So it's crazy that what you have in Luke chapter two is the fighting angels um, just for a few minutes uh, because they're going to announce the coming of Jesus. They form a choir. They begin to sing. So I find that that awesome in the sense that it's like what what they do is not just fight, but they they proclaim and they sing the glory of God and the coming of Jesus. So that's the heavenly host. All right, so let's continue. There are a couple of angels in the Bible who are special enough that they are mentioned by name. One of them is a guy named Gabriel. Gabriel shows up both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. His name means the mighty one of God. And he tends to show up uh, when it's time to announce really important items that God wants to announce. So after Daniel in chapters eight and nine has a vision of the future that he doesn't understand, he prays to God and Gabriel shows up to interpret Daniel's vision for the future. And Daniel's vision relates specifically to how is God going to redeem the nation of Israel and when is the Messiah going to come? And I think that's important because the next time we see Gabriel is in Luke chapters one and two, when he shows up first to announce to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, that he's going to have a son who will be a prophet who will pave the way for the Messiah. And then he shows up in Luke chapter two to announce the coming of Jesus, both to Joseph and to Mary. And so um, he seems to be this, this great messenger angel who shows up to announce key aspects of God's redemptive plan. Uh, One of my favorite moments, though, in Luke chapter 1 is after Gabriel announces to Zechariah that his son is going to uh, be the forerunner of the Messiah, uh, Zechariah says, hey, how do I know I can trust you and what you're saying? And I love Gabriel's response. He goes, "Um, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. I mean, in other words, Zechariah, what more do you need? I am the messenger angel who appeared to Daniel, and I'm here to announce to you that God is doing something awesome. And so in discipline, uh, Gabriel says, Zechariah, you're not going to be able to talk for the next uh, however long until your son is born. And and the idea seems to be if you're going to just ask stupid questions, maybe it's better if you don't say anything at all for a while. So uh, Gabriel is a powerful, exciting angel. Uh, the uh, the next angel who is mentioned by name is Michael. Uh, Michael is referred to as the archangel. Uh, we also see him in the book of Daniel, specifically in Daniel chapter 10. Gabriel talks about Michael. Michael seems to be this angel who fights against the forces of darkness. He's some sort of uh, almost like an army general. Archangel is what he is called in the New Testament. Um, An archangel is the chief angel. In the book of Daniel, he's called a chief of God's princes or a chief among the angels. So he's a fighter angel. He's a general angel. 
in Revelation chapter 12, it seems like he's almost like the the key general, um, the five-star general um, in the battle against Satan at the end of, of time. Um, in Jude chapter 9, there's kind of a, a funny passage where uh, Michael is described as arguing with the devil about the body of Moses. And uh, that's probably a whole other podcast episode to talk about what in the world is going on there. But he seems to be the angel who goes toe-to-toe with Satan himself to fight on God's behalf. In 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul doesn't mention Michael by name, but he does say that when Jesus returns, we will hear the shout of the voice of the archangel. And so it's very possible that Michael is going to be the one who will announce the second coming of Jesus. Okay, so that's Michael. And then the last angel that I want to talk about just for a couple of minutes is known as the angel of the Lord. Uh, He is never given a proper name other than the angel of the Lord, the angel of Yahweh. You see the angel of the Lord also kind of like Gabriel at key moments when God is announcing important things that he wants people to know or do. Uh, you see the angel of the Lord mostly in the Old Testament. So, for example, in Genesis chapter 22, just as Abraham is about to sacrifice Isaac, the angel of the Lord appears and tells Abraham to stop, to not sacrifice Isaac, and then gives him a ram to sacrifice instead, and then also reiterates to Abraham God's covenant, reinforces God's covenant that Abraham would, in fact, inherit a blessing from God and inherit land from God and descendants as many as the sand on the seashore. So he announces that again to Abraham. Uh, We see him in Genesis 31 and 32. The angel of the Lord appears to Jacob. Jacob actually wrestles with the angel of the Lord and he wins until the angel of the Lord touches him and dislocates his hip. Uh, So having supernatural hip dislocation powers definitely gives you an edge in a wrestling match. Um, And then he renames Jacob. He renames him Israel, um, the idea being he's one who fights with or contends with God. Uh, The angel of the Lord appears to Moses in the burning bush. It says that it's the angel of the Lord that calls to Moses from the burning bush. That one's interesting because we typically think about it being God who appears to Moses in the burning bush. But of course, you remember, no one can directly see God and stay alive. So it seems like God speaks through the angel of the Lord. Uh, In Judges, you see the angel of the Lord a couple of times. He appears to Gideon uh, to commission Gideon to deliver Israel. And then he appears to Samson's father, whose name is Manoah, to announce the coming of Samson, the birth of Samson, and also give instructions about how they're supposed to raise Samson. And Samson also was going to be a deliverer in Israel. So who is the angel of the Lord? Well, people argue uh, all the time. People have argued throughout history about whether or not the angel of the Lord is actually Jesus appearing uh, before the incarnation of Jesus. Is the angel of the Lord the second person of the Trinity? Uh, My answer to that is, I don't know. Uh, There's not a whole lot of evidence for that necessarily. It might be, but but I don't see a whole lot of evidence for that. Instead, what, what it seems to be is that the angel of the Lord so directly and clearly speaks for God and so closely represents God 
that it is accurate uh, to say that if you've seen the angel of the Lord, you have spoken with God. You know that God is speaking to you. So I think like at the burning bush, that's what's going on is it is God commissioning Moses, but through the voice of the angel. The angel is a messenger who uh, so closely um, speaks on God's behalf that he simply is called the angel of the Lord. I don't know if he's the second person of the Trinity or not. Um, The Bible itself is not really that clear, Um, but we do know that he very, very closely uh, speaks on behalf of God. So there we go. I want to point out with all of these angels, however, a theme that emerges, and it's this. There isn't a whole lot of information whenever we see an angel. There isn't a whole lot of information about the angel. We don't learn like specifically what they've been doing all the time before they show up to announce things. We don't hear a lot about their backgrounds. We don't hear a lot about you know their hopes and dreams, their fears, their worries, uh, where they grew up, that time of thing. You don't you don't know a whole lot about them. And I, I think um, the reason for that is this: angels' primary objective is to serve God. In fact, Hebrews says they're ministering spirits. They they exist to serve God and to serve God's people, and then to direct all of the glory and all of the attention back to God. So that's why we don't know as much about angels as we might want to know about them, because again, their purpose isn't to draw attention to themselves, but to draw attention to God. Uh, And in that respect, I think angels are great role models, because as people, that is ultimately why we are created as well, not to draw attention to ourselves, but to draw attention back to God. So that's just a little bit of info about some of the different angels in the Bible. That's all I have for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll talk to you next time.